0: This is Under the Dome. On today's episode, we're taking a closer look at North Carolina's Michael Regan, President Joe Biden's nominee to lead the Environmental Protection Agency. For the News and Observer, this is Lucille Sherman. Before I throw it to my colleague, Brian Murphy, a quick note. In last week's Closer Look episode, I incorrectly said the committee nicknamed GovOps oversaw the Program Evaluation Division, or PED the Joint Legislative Program Evaluation Oversight Committee, Oversight Division, rather.
1: For the News and Observer and NC Insider, I'm Brian Murphy, your host for this episode of Under the Dome. It's Friday, February 26th, welcome. This is my first time hosting our newly rebranded and refurbished twice weekly Under the Dome podcast. If you're listening on our new Under the Dome feed, thank you. If you're listening on our old Domecast feed, thank you too. But you should download and subscribe to the new feed at Under the Dome wherever you get your podcasts. It's only a matter of time before the old feed goes away. And no matter how you're listening, please rate and review and leave us some comments. We're always looking for ways to improve. I'm thrilled to be joined by News and Observer reporter Adam Wagner, who's done extensive reporting on environmental issues, particularly in eastern North Carolina, and thus is very familiar with the tenure of North Carolina Department of Environmental Quality Secretary Michael Regan. Regan is President Joe Biden's nominee to head the Environmental Protection Agency, and a Senate confirmation vote on Regan could come as soon as next week. It is expected he will be confirmed and will get some number of Republican votes. His nomination is backed by North Carolina Senators Richard Burr and Tom Tillis, and he won four of ten Republican votes in the Senate Energy Committee, which held his confirmation hearing earlier this month. Regan, 44, is from Goldsboro and worked at the EPA previously. If confirmed, he would be the first black man to lead the division. During his tenure at DEQ in North Carolina, he played a big role in the Duke Energy coal ash cleanup settlement. He's dealt with issues around forever chemicals in the Cape Fear River. And he created an advisory panel to deal with environmental justice issues, a topic that came up quite often in the committee hearing. Let, let's start there, Adam. Some Republicans on the committee were concerned about Biden administration's overall energy policies, uh, especially around fracking and climate change, and use those concerns to oppose Regan's nomination. Some on the left, including in North Carolina, have concerns that Regan's talk about environmental justice and stewardship hasn't always been matched with reality on the ground. So first, for people not entirely familiar with the term and the concept, can you give us a quick explanation of environmental justice and and Regan's role in the movement?
2: Sure, yeah. First of all, thanks for having me on, Brian. I appreciate it. Um, environmental justice is basically a the idea that everyone deserves the same protections against environmental contamination. So when we see things like concentrations of polluters located in, in a, a specific area, that's an example of, of an inequity that, it, that environmental justice tries to address. Environmental justice is also related to the idea, though, that everyone deserves an equal say in decisions about pollution. So things like a public hearing are tied into environmental justice. Things like like adequate public notice are also a part of this. Um, just the idea that that everyone should be able to give their own feedback. In eastern North Carolina, this comes in all kinds of issues, from the sort of now decades-long issue of, of hog farms to the coal ash issue to to PFAS contamination. Um, than sort of the the more emerging issue now of wood pellets. And uh, like you mentioned, Regan had established the Environmental Justice and Equity Board, and that's in line with, with everything anyone told us about him, which is that he really does want to hear from everyone. He does want to take everyone's opinion into account. He wants to hear from affected communities, and he'll take all of that back kind of put it together and reach a decision.
1: Yeah, I mean, the, the best um, – and you did a great job explaining what environmental justice is. But you, you just look at the effects of, of development or the effects of farming or the – effect if those are all being felt by the same people in the same areas, you know, when you hear about cancer clusters and things like that, that's sort of how I try to, try to explain what environmental justice is. The people who are really feeling the effects of whether it's industry or farming or pollution – the environmental justice movement is about giving them their own voice or, or a voice to at least discuss, hey, we don't we don't want to be subject to this necessarily.
2: Right. And it's also about the idea of of who lives where. Um, are, are we more likely to put pollution or polluting industries or, or, or plants in places that are poor, in places where the population is, is blacker or has a higher Hispanic population? And this or that is, is clearly – Yes. But part of what, what happened during Regan's tenure at DEQ is when a either a kind of new polluter or, or something that looked particularly controversial came up, they did these environmental justice reports. And um, they basically used census data to look at who lives in the tracts around this plan. And a lot of times they used those really to to justify holding a public hearing or justify doing, doing outreach to certain communities. Um, the frustration, I think, especially from, from activists in North Carolina, was the, these snapshots weren't really used to justify turning down a permit or, or to, to significantly scale something back. It was more on this kind of outreach end of things.
1: Yeah, one one of the issues that came up, you know, at the hearing was this this fence line issue. You know, whether the EPA has the ability to regulate an industry to the end of its fence line, or does it have the ability to regulate that industry beyond the fence line, where it starts to get into neighborhoods and starts to get into where people are are living and and dealing with contamination or things like that. So, I think you know, obviously, one of the reasons I think he got this job uh, is because of that emphasis on environmental justice um, some environmental justice activists appeared to sabotage or that, that's not the right word, but torpedoed the, you know, one of his other picks, um, for this role. And so
2: that's the California, California environmental head, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I also thought it was interesting at the committee about, there was a lot of talk about, you know, how much power is Regan going to have because John Kerry is a climate advisor to the president. Gina McCarthy is a climate advisor to the president. Um, President Biden has built up a team already. People that didn't have to be Senate confirmed, who are already in those roles before Regan even even gets to the EPA.
2: Yeah, and one of the things that that Regan did in North Carolina was really spearhead the efforts that that Roy Cooper put into place with Executive Order 80. Um, it was signed in in the days right after Hurricane Florence, right when climate change issues were top of the mind, and really sort of paved the path for a climate science study, a clean energy plan. And as part of that effort, Reagan brought people from every branch of government together and coordinated them to basically say, how is climate change going to affect you? That coordination and him being part of that coordination, I think is something he's going to have to do on the federal level too. And and in speaking with him, I know that he's aware of that. He's excited about that. He is also, I think, very much on board with the idea that it's good that Gina McCarthy is in the White House because that's someone that's kind of a a foothold on these climate issues all the time. He knows that that climate issues are, are going to be going to go across Joe Biden's desk routinely and, and that's a way to actually get movement on some of these things.
1: And that's, that's a good transition because we talk about a lot of these environmental issues in North Carolina. Climate change, certainly, you know, as it relates to bigger storms and, and the North Carolina coast and beaches. Um, we talked about chemical cleanup, coal ash. Uh, many of these issues are the same ones he may be confronted with nationally. I mean, climate change is obviously a priority for, for the Biden administration. You know, how has his experience in North Carolina, you know, helped shape him for this job?
2: Yeah, Um he's had wide-ranging experience on, on, like you mentioned, all all kinds of issues. It wasn't a a boring four years for him as head of North Carolina's DEQ. What's also interesting is some of these issues are long-standing things, like hog farms, like coal ash, but some of them are are brand-new things, like the PFAS issue and and Forever Chemicals um, that really came to a head in 2017 or started to come to a head in 2017 when – the Star News and a team that I was on reported on contamination coming from Comorz's um, Fayetteville Works plant. And that was an issue that North Carolina regulars, regulators had never thought of. It wasn't in transition documents from the McCrory administration to Regan. You know, there's a, there was a 200-some page packet, and PFAS wasn't mentioned it at once. So he really had to get up to speed on it and, and figure out, what is this? What does this mean Gen X was the chemical in that situation that, that really was kind of the headliner. There were some others that are also concerning, but Gen X was something that there wasn't a, a ton of public science on. It looks concerning. It, it is concerning. But he had to figure out, how am I going to go about either cracking down on this company or regulating this? And that was amid calls to that to just shut the company down, which Regan, that's it, really not his approach. He's not going to go to the final conclusion on anything almost ever. Um, I'm not sure if I answered your question there.
1: No, I, I, a couple of things. One, I, he, that came up a lot in the committee, where you got the sense that he wants to find a way to balance economic interests and environmental interests in a way that that perhaps some environmentalists would say, no, that you're you're we shouldn't weigh economic interests quite as much, and, and some on the other side would say, no, we shouldn't weigh environmental interests as much. So it really does look like he is trying to find that balance. And one of the stories that we've written in this time since he's been nominated, uh, that you've written, is about how he found that balance in North Carolina, given that there's a Republican-dominated legislature, and and he's going to have to find sort of that balance in in the federal government as well, which has, you know, Republicans control half of the Senate. So there's going to have to be a balance in order to get anything done, and, and there's also an industry or, or an administration, in this current case, the, the DEQ, in, in the um, federal government, the EPA... That has been run differently, I think, than it's going to be run under under Regan. And so how, how have sort of those things, you think, prepared him for what he's about to face?
2: Yeah, Regan, when he was confirmed at DEQ, he was coming into an agency that had been it, – it had been left in the cold under the McCrory administration and maybe not even that. Maybe – I mean if you talk to, to people who have watched it carefully for decades – They'll say that, that the Mercury administration targeted DEQ and carved away admin, carved away regulatory staff and, and really sort of was kind of listless when, when he came in. Um, I think there's an easy comparison there to what happened at EPA under the Trump administration and, and not paying attention to science all the time, um, not following the, the latest information about climate change sometimes intentionally ignoring the latest information, depending on the issue. And Regan, so he he's also very aware of this comparison. And when he came in to DEQ, he tried to really sort of restore that sense of mission. We're going to follow the science. We're going to, we know there are people here who have on the ground expertise, and we're going to follow that expertise. Basically, we're going to let the agency do its job again, and that I think is very much his mindset going back into EPA. What's also interesting is that he really it, going to EPA is more going home for him than coming to DEQ was. This is someone that spent almost a decade at EPA. Might have been, I think, it was a decade in all kinds of roles, focusing on environmental justice, focusing on air quality. So he really understands that agency, understands its mission, and he thinks he knows the, the how to get it back on the right path.
1: Yeah, I, I think it's a fascinating comparison about taking over DEQ and, and now taking over EPA. And I think uh, – yeah, he's, he was there for I, I think at least nine years. And so it, it's very interesting. He, he talked about that during his confirmation hearing saying that when he inherited the, the Department of Environmental Quality in 2017 – this is him speaking. Morale lo- was low. Decisions had been made that we didn't believe were transparent and didn't bring forth the proper science and data, and so we had to do a damage assessment. We had to take a look at what had been done, what had not been done, and we quickly had to rectify those situations. You know, he was speaking about the the task at hand uh, for taking over uh, EPA, but I, I think he, as you mentioned, he's he's acutely aware of of the, the parallels in those two situations. Climate change, certainly the, the Biden administration has, has rejoined the Paris um, climate agreement and and made some some moves on that. The, the coal ash settlement with Duke Energy, I think, is illustrative um, of of kind of Regan's approach, right? In the way he, he tackles industry and environmental concerns and, and tries to weigh them.
2: Yeah. Well, and so the first thing there was when, when I asked Regan about the coal ash settlement, his very first remark was to point to the work done by environmental groups on the issue, who had hammered away that issue for a long time. Since, I mean, it obviously got headlines after the Dan River spill, but it, it, it wasn't new when that happened. Um, it's also worth noting that Regan was one of those who was hammering away at it. If you Google his name and find results, 2014 a lot of that stuff is his work at, at EDF where he was paying attention to coal ash issues. You can find him quoted about coal ash cleanup from back then. He's aware of, of the pressure coming from environmental groups. He's aware of how it can shape some of these – some of his decision-making. At the same time, he, he understands that if you don't have buy-in from the person that's actually doing the polluting or, or that is – in Possession of, of at least coal ash that has coal ash ponds, um, it's going to be a lot harder to, to reach a conclusion. So he said, We kept everyone at the table for years. And there, there were legal things happening throughout this, sued several times, in several different venues to try to not do a cleanup or not do as much of a cleanup. But it, it ended up in, in with a, an ending point where all the coal ash ponds are going to get cleaned up. And that that's good for everyone
1: in North Carolina well one of the last issues we'll talk about is the is something you're very familiar with the, this chemical spill the Gen X uh, chemical in the Cape Fear River and the Cape Fear River Basin um, all the way down to, to you know to Wilmington it's been a huge issue in Eastern North Carolina. I know that representative Richard Hudson has tried to get the EPA to kind of set a drinking water standard that came up in the hearing as well because uh, North Carolina is not the only state dealing with these kind of chemicals in in drinking water supplies. And states are really handcuffed, right, at the moment because without the EPA setting a standard, they can't enforce a standard and and thus they don't know if the population should be drinking this water, should not be drinking this water, uh, how much uh, you know mitigation needs to be done. It seems like one of the issues that he's going to have to confront kind of right away.
2: Yeah, and it, it's also – the PFAS issue is illustrative of one of the problems Reagan had with EPA when he was at DEQ, which was when this – story broke, they needed information from EPA fast. And in a lot of ways, they couldn't get it. They couldn't get guidance. And it's worth noting that some of the top PFAS experts in the nation are at EPA's lab in Research Triangle Park. Um, they were the guys that, that originally found it, along with the team from NC State. But getting a concrete answer from higher-ups in the agency about what should we do here it just didn't really happen. So he was left kind of on his own and and was really sort of began to reach the conclusion that, that the EPA, for those four years, was not a good partner to DEQ. Um, he's dead set on restoring those relationships. But as far as, as PFAS is concerned, it's worth noting that North Carolina it's not just Wilmington. It's there's contamination coming from Greensboro, there's contamination In Chatham County, there's contamination in Sanford. There's contamination in Maysville. Anywhere you look, you can find it. And that holds true nationwide. When I talked to the Environmental Working Group about this, there had been some criticisms of of Regan and and North Carolina not setting a standard, an enforceable drinking water standard. Regan pointed to his hands being held back by by some some stuff from the General Assembly. But the Environmental Working Group says, well, Regan is... The first EPA administrator who's actually really dealt with this issue. The other ones, all of his predecessors, sort of came to the fore before this this issue began to crop up in a widespread manner. And Regan, with his actions against Kamorra, including the consent against the consent agreement, managed to turn off a lot of the pollution, which is a huge accomplishment. A lot of times I'm talking about he points to the the Twelve million dollar fine, which could be thirteen because there's also like a another million dollars on to it, which was the largest environmental fine in state history. But that doesn't—that's not that important important to Camores's bottom line. It, it's more the signal that it sends of we're actually going to take action on some of these things, follow the rules. Um, it, but then forcing Camores to not discharge into the Cape Verde River to to. Chemours has spent $100 million upwards of that to build this thermal oxidizer that captures the emissions and pretty much burns so hot that it, it tears PFAS apart inside of it. That's something they wouldn't have done without the consent agreement. Terrific.
1: I'm sure we're going to have a, a lot to talk about, uh, as Regan gets confirmed and, and, begins his work at the Environmental Protection Agency. Not many North Carolinians in, in this administration, uh, as of yet. And so Regan will probably be the highest profile North Carolinian in, in the Biden administration. I want to thank Adam Wagner of the News and Observer for coming on, explaining some of these issues to us. And you can look for his terrific reporting on not only the coronavirus pandemic, but, but these environmental issues, uh, at newsobserver.com. For The News and Observer and NC Insider, I'm Brian Murphy. Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our Under the Dome feed. See you next time.
0: For more from our politics team, subscribe to The News and Observer at newsobserver.com slash subscribe. Follow us on Twitter at Under the Dome and NC Insider. And sign up for our weekly political newsletter, also called Under the Dome, at newsobserver.com slash newsletters. Thanks for listening.